Father, I thank you for your word because it is from everlasting to everlasting. I pray that you would give me swiftness of speech, clarity of heart and mind, that I might declare the whole counsel of God to your people today, and that the word might be received by every heart and soul, and that it might bring forth fruit. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I wanted to share a video with you this morning, and, and you, can, you can find, you've probably already seen it, but um, these trust fall fails. <laughs> Have you seen those videos? You've got to YouTube this when you get home. There's one in particular where there's this family reunion happening, and the, the patriarch of the family, he's speaking to the family, and he wants to set up this illustration so that the family understands that we're all here to support one another. We're all here to hold up one another, and if you fall, I'll catch you. We're here to catch you. So he had one of the members of the family, a young man, he goes, I want you to stand up on this table. And he said, now everybody just gather around him. And he says, now just close your eyes. And they all gathered. They stood behind him. And he said, now here's what I want you to do. We're going to count to three. Breathe deeply, close your eyes, and just fall, and we'll catch you. And so the family's standing behind him, and they're all gathered. They've got their hands out, and they're ready to go. And he's standing on the table, just full of faith, full of confidence and expectation. And the patriarch said, three, two, one, fall. But instead of falling backwards, the young man falls forward. And all you hear is the family go, no, 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 not that way. And they couldn't get there in time. I saw another one where a man was <laughs> proposing <laughs> to his girlfriend. And he said he wanted to do a trust fall. And they're at the beach. And she's standing facing the water. And he's kneeling behind her. And he says, I'm going to count to three. And his plan was to catch her in his arms and then open up the ring and show her that he's, he wants to invite her to be his wife. And, and he counts down. And once again, instead of falling backwards, she falls forward into the water. <laughs> This morning, I want to talk to you about trust, fall, fails. Trust, fall, fails. Now, Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But see, there's something about this text that we often miss. It says, the righteous not just anybody, the righteous. Yeah. And the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous is that the righteous fall in a particular way. Yeah. Yeah. That is, the righteous fall, but they fall in the right direction. Yeah. They trust fall, but they trust fall in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in psychology, they talk about something called bids for emotional connection. Yeah. Uh, every time you address another individual, you are bidding for some type of connection, right? Uh, I watched this video where this mother was uh, trying to ask these psychologists to help her with her child because her child was unruly. And in this video, the mother's sitting at the, the table and she's trying to do the bills and the child comes up and he sits next to her and he's just fidgety, a little boy, probably five, six years old. Yeah. Uh, Hi, mom. She's like, hi, son. And she's doing the bills and he's like, um... What's that in your hair? Nothing's in my hair, son. Will you just leave me alone? Oh, oh, okay. And she's doing the bills, and he's like, 
uh, where did we get this table? Who cares where we got the table? And she's just freaking out. And the psychologist says, don't you realize the son doesn't care about your hair and he doesn't care about the table. He's bidding for your connection. And every time there's a bid for your connection, there's three different directions you can turn. You can turn towards, you can turn away, or you can turn against. You can turn towards, you can turn away, or you can turn against. What I want to suggest to you today is that we all fall, but there's really two different directions that you can fall. You can either fall towards or you can fall away. You can fall towards, or you can fall away. away. Trust falls. Hmm. You can fall towards community, or you can fall away from community. You can fall towards the Lord, or you can fall away from the Lord. Hmm. And the righteous fall seven times, but they get up again Hmm. because they fall only towards the Lord. That is, the righteous know the difference between when I'm supposed to fall and when I'm not supposed to fall. And the righteous are able to stand and say, I'm not falling that way. You're not fooling me with that one. You're not getting me with this one because this if I fall that way, ain't no getting up from that. There is a form of falling from which there is no recovery. We got to get that in our head. And Jesus gives us the greatest example of this in the three temptations. You know, the first temptation, we find that in Matthew chapter 4, where he had fasted 40 days, and the devil comes and says, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he says, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Satan takes him up to the highest pinnacle of the temple, into the holy city, and into the holiest part of the city, the holy temple, and takes him to the highest pinnacle of the temple, Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And he says, if you're the son of God, fall. Throw yourself down. Throw yourself down, for it is written. You like scripture? Satan says, I got some scripture for you, Jesus. For it is written, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He quoted Psalm 91, verse 11 to him. He says, let me tell you something, Jesus. If you're the son of God, you have a promise. So why don't you test that promise out and see if it works? Fall. Throw yourself down. And Jesus said, "Mm -mm. (laughs) mm-mm. Not today, Satan. And they rise again, and I am going to rise again but not from this fall. I know that this is a fall from which I am not to rise again because this is, listen, the falls from which I rise again are falls of obedience, not of disobedience. He knew he would rise again if he trust fell into obedience. He knew he would rise again if he trust fell into love. But if he fear fell into disobedience, There's no rising from that fall. The righteous man falls seven times. What does actual trust falling look like? 
There's a community waiting behind you with open arms. Fall into the arms of that community. The opposite of trust falling is falling away from the open arms. Falling in a direction where nobody is actually waiting to catch you, and then, aha, using that as evidence and confirmation that nobody actually cares about me. (laughs) Falling away means going to the hospital but not telling nobody I was sick and then being hurt that nobody nobody called me. Nobody came to pray for me. Trust falling, a trust fall fail is disappearing from community for three months and then wondering why nobody came looking for me. Why do they call it trust falling? Because it takes trust to fall into the arms of a community. It takes trust to be transparent. It takes trust to make yourself vulnerable. That's a trust fall. Sometimes it takes trust to say, I was hurt. Yeah. <laughs> That's a trust fall. Yeah. Sometimes it takes trust. One of the things the Lord has been speaking to me about a lot, and I have been working on this before the Lord, that has affected my marriage in an incredible way, As I was journaling one morning, the Lord said to me, you have believed all your life that you're rejected. And because you've believed all your life that you're rejected, you have found a way to make everyone in your life who's close to you play the role of your rejector. You found a way to cause them to play that role. And then you use that as evidence to confirm your suspicion. (laughs) But the rejection originated in you, not them. You've been blaming everyone around you for the rejection you feel. Not realizing that you don't actually need anybody's help to be rejected. You can be rejected in a room all by yourself. (laughs) But when you break that lie that you're rejected and begin to believe the truth that you're accepted, you're going to find a way to make everyone in your life play the role of your acceptor instead of your rejector. You know who was great at this to a fault was Joseph Mm -hmm. in the Bible. You remember Joseph? He was so convinced that he was loved. I mean, when his daddy put the coat of many colors on him, he was like, that's it. Everybody loves me. He could walk into a room full of his haters and he would feel loved. (laughs) Y'all just love me. That's why he came to the breakfast table when he had dreams about his brothers bowing down. And he told his brothers. He He couldn't feel their stares. I mean, can't you feel it when you walk in a room and people don't like you, when you come sit down at a table? I wouldn't have told that story. (laughs) I'd have been like, hey, I had a dream last night. You had a dream? Nah, nothing. I didn't dream nothing. (laughs) Must have been something I ate, the falafel I ate last night, something like that. You know, that's all it was. But Joseph was like, I had a dream that all of y'all bowed down to me. And even when his father sent him to go find his brothers and he found them in, in Dothan and he came run, brother, they're plotting to kill him and he's still, he can't feel that? I'm from East Oakland. If somebody's trying to jump me, I can feel that. I'm not getting close. I remember a group of Samoans were going to jump me after a basketball game when me and my cousin put the spank on him and we killed him. And I was talking all kind of nonsense. 
I never did that again, by the way, but I was talking all kind of nonsense. And after the game was over, they, they huddled up, and I'm walking away. They're like, hey, come over here. We want to talk to you. And I looked at them. They're like, come here. We want to talk to you. I was like, yeah, y'all don't want to talk to me. I know what y'all want to do. <clears throat> That's the one benefit of, of believing that you're rejected <laughs> is when somebody really does want to hurt you, you can feel that junk. <laughs> you are sensitive. I turned around and just, I, I bolted out of there. And they gave chase, but they did not give catch. <laughs> I'm as fleet-footed as a wild gazelle when somebody's trying to hurt me. You know what the work is? Now every day, something gets triggered. I feel rejected by my wife. You know what I do? I go journal about it, and then I go talk to her about it. But when I talk to her, I don't blame her for it. I used to put all of the blame on her. You rejected me! <laughs> now I go talk to Jesus about it. I work it out with him. Yeah. And then I trust fall. Yeah. I go sit down with my wife. I said, man, I felt so rejected when you said that earlier today. But here's what the Lord showed me. Because yeah. I'm not going to make you responsible for my historic lie. Now, does she have stuff to work on, too? Of course. But that's between her and God. Yeah. See, the problem is, I love to take responsibility for what she needs to fix. <laughs> but I don't take no responsibility for what I need to fix. Yeah. Yeah. I love to pull the speck out of her eye. But the log in mine? Because you see, the real issue is, I wouldn't have no log in my eye if she didn't have the speck in hers. <laughs> What keeps you from trust falling into the arms of community? Is it rejection? Yeah. You know who I think one of the most prolific, one of the most powerful trust fallers in the Bible was? That woman with the alabaster box. Wow. Who walked into a room full of haters. She knew yeah. she was going to be rejected. Yeah. She knew she was going to be judged. She knew they were going to look at her like she was crazy, but she also knew Jesus was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. She knew that the only one who would get her was Jesus himself. Yeah. Yeah. And when I have a choice between walking into a room where Jesus is yeah. and expressing my love to him in the presence of my haters, when he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, do I go sit at the table and look into his eyes? Or do I flee from the room because I perceive my enemies are there? Wow. And here's the biggest problem. Yeah. Most of us are not the woman with the alabaster box. Mercy. Because we perceive judgment where no judgment awaits us. Wow. We perceive rejection where no rejection awaits us. Yeah. Jesus is in the room with the, the 12, not the Pharisees and Sadducees yeah, and keepers yeah, of the yeah, yeah. Teachers of the law, the 12 are there, but we won't even go in the room and break the alabaster box over the feet of Jesus in the presence of friends yeah. because we perceive friends as enemies. Wow. Yeah. Too many haters in the church. And that's why you've rejected it, which means you've made yourself the chief hater. Ooh. Too many hypocrites in the church. Yeah. And that's why you've rejected it, which makes you the chief hypocrite. Mercy. Because 
the best response to hypocrisy is to provide a counterpoint. The woman with the alabaster box, she made a decision. I'm going to trust fall into the arms of Jesus. I'm going to trust fall towards community, not away from community. One of the biggest problems, one of the biggest relational problems is interpretation. My wife's constantly telling me, why do you think I'm mad? I'm like, because of the scowl on your face. And she's like, I had to use the bathroom. (laughs) I'm like, well, if you could see your face, she's like, yes, but you can't see my heart. You assume you know what's in my heart because of what you see on my face. And you've interpreted the look on my face through the grid of your past. And you're not allowing me to be the interpreter of my own emotional state. You feel this. How are you going to tell me what I feel? Well, you don't like me. How do you know what I like and what I don't like? How do you know what's in somebody else's heart? She thinks I'm this. How do you know what she thinks? See, I don't go there because they think I'm... How do you know what they think? You're allowing your own interpretation. You're pretending to be the Holy Spirit, pretending to be omniscient. You think you're God. You don't realize how prideful and arrogant it is to think you know what other people think. Pastor Mike Perkinson told me, he said, you know, I made a decision a long time ago and it's been the best decision I ever made. The decision I made is never to presume to know what anyone is thinking or feeling. I only know what they tell me. And if I think someone's mad, I ask them, are you mad? And they say, no, I'm not mad. I just believe you. Why? Because you have the right to tell me what you're feeling. I just assume that what you tell me is true. The worst thing you can do relationally, remember the righteous fall seven times. Do you know what the word righteousness means? You know what righteousness is? It's right relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be righteous, it means to be in right relationship. Righteousness is right relationship with God, right relationship with others, and right relationship with yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you fall outside of righteousness, that's not a fall from which you can expect to get back up seven times. You've got to come back to righteousness. Do you know what the falls of the righteous are? It's when you are acting in faith, motivated by love, yeah. and your plans fail. Wow. Did you get that? Yeah. Yeah. When you are acted in, acting in faith, motivated by love, and your plans fail. Let me tell you what that looks like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you, you want to make it right with somebody. And so you pray, and you, you fast, and you go journal, and you work it out in your heart before the Lord, and then you go and you sit down and you talk to that person, and they throw it in your face, and they completely reject what you tried to do. That's fall one. Yeah. You acted in faith, motivated by love, and it failed. Yeah. Do you know what it means when it says the righteous fall seven times, but they rise again? It means you got six more tries. Same thing as when Jesus says, when, when his disciples says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus said, no, no, no. Seven times 70. Yeah. You know what Jesus was saying? Because the disciples read that verse and they're like, I got, seven, I got six more tries, right? Jesus said, no, 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 no. We're in the New Testament now. Yeah. 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 
What's different about the New Testament and the Old Testament? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Meaning when I'm talking to other believers in Jesus Christ, I'm talking to individuals who have the indwelling Holy Spirit. Which means I can never lock you in a box and say, this is who you are. I can never close my heart to you and say, this is just who you are. I can never write off another believer with whom I will spend an eternity one day. Well, I just don't like them. Well, trust the Holy Spirit to work on you and trust the Holy Spirit to work on them. And the problem is, I don't trust the Holy Spirit to work on you. So I got to try to be the Holy Spirit (laughs) and work on you. And I don't realize how prideful and how arrogant that is. Throw yourself down. No, 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 no. I don't throw myself down. I don't throw myself away. Yeah. I might inadvertently wander off, but I'm not going to intentionally wander off. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he'll leave the 99 and come looking for me. Yeah. That one sheep found himself lost. He didn't unlock the door of the pen and leave. He didn't isolate himself from the flock and leave. See, what we don't realize is Peter tells us to be on your guard because your adversary, like the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know what that means? He's looking for someone outside of the fold, looking for someone that's isolated themselves, looking for someone that's separated themselves from accountability, looking for someone who's separated themselves from community, looking for someone who's arrogant or someone who's prideful, who thinks they know better than everybody else. And so they've isolated their hearts and they've separated themselves. And the enemy goes, yum. (laughs) Ah, He starts licking his lips. I'm getting ready to preach. Next Sunday, Sunday's going to be preaching here, but I'm going to be preaching up in Wenatchee, Washington. And I'm, so, I'm salivating over this word because I'm preaching on, this, on the Proverbs. And to understand the Proverbs, you've got to understand that there's three primary characters. I hope nobody in Wenatchee listens to this message. Because there's three characters running through the Proverbs, and until you understand those three characters, you can't understand the Proverbs. There's the wise man. There's the adulterous woman. There's the fool. Sorry, four characters. And there's the sluggard. And the whole point of the Proverbs is that if you can overcome the sluggard, the fool, and the adulterer, you can become the wise man. And the fool, what marks the fool is foolishness. However, in the Proverbs, foolishness is found in two different kinds of hearts. The heart of a child and the heart of the fool. And do you know the difference between a child and a fool? You can correct a child. (laughs) (laughs) Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of direction shall drive it far from him. But though you grind a fool in a mortar along with grain, even still you will not extract his foolishness from him. You see that? You can't take foolishness from a fool, but you can take foolishness from a child. The fool is uncorrectable. Listen, all of us have foolishness of some kind in our lives. The only thing that separates a fool and a child is, can God correct me? And can the community correct me? Can anyone tell me to stop and I'll stop? Can anyone tell me I'm wrong and and I'll, I'll stop? 
sometimes trust falling yeah. simply means allowing myself to be corrected. Can your wife correct you? Can your husband correct you in a loving way? Can God correct me? My wife and I, over the last, we're going to celebrate 21 years of marriage this Thursday. Many dangers, toils, and snares. You know why we're still together? Because God is able to correct both of us. Many fights. Many, many arguments. Tense moments. And I can tell we're growing because those tense moments are getting far, further and further apart. Like the last one was like this morning. So, you know, that's... <laughs> so it's, it's been hours, which means we're growing. <laughs> you know, we're, we're maturing. But you know why? You know what I've learned? Is we come together quicker. We've been talking, we were just talking about this this week. Yeah. We come back together quicker and 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 quicker. Good. You know why? Because the correction of the Lord transpires quicker yes. and quicker yep. and quicker yep. and quicker. When you've messed up, how long do you linger in it? Mercy. Mm. Yeah. How quickly do you respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? You see, I want to say this morning, some of you trust fell into the arms of a toxic community, wow. and they let you fall. Wow. And this is not to negate your experience, yeah. because that trauma is real. Yeah. Some of you trust fell into the arms of a toxic marriage, yeah. and you were abused. Mm. Yeah. Some of you trust fell into the arms of a toxic family, wow. and you were abused. Yeah. Some of you trust fell into the arms yeah. of a toxic leader. And you were abused. Yeah. The arms of a toxic church. Wow. And you were hurt. And this yeah. is not to negate your experience. Your experience is real. Yeah. But what tends to happen when we have at some point in our lives trust fallen the right direction into toxic arms is that we don't know how to get back up again. Yeah, yeah. But this is the promise. The righteous fall seven times. But they rise again. Because this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what the incarnation was? Jesus being born as a baby, the incarnation was God trust falling in himself into toxic hands. Wow, yeah. yeah. He offered himself and he got the cross in response. Wow. It was God trust falling into toxic hands. Jesus. And it cost him his life. But he rose again. But he rose again. He got back up again. And some of you are here and you've trust fallen into toxic hands and you've been hurt and you've been abused. But I'm here to tell you that it's time for you to get back up again. That the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is at work in you now. And I need you to know that if at any point you find yourself trust falling into toxic hands you have every right to get up and leave. Can I say that? Yeah. 
because I talk so much about together and covenant and bond and commitment and community and all of that stuff. And the one thing, if you've been hurt by community, if you've been hurt by covenant, the one fear that you have is I'm being locked into a place where I can check in, but I can't check out. And if I try to check out, I'm going to be accused of being unfaithful and I'm going to be accused of you know, breaking the covenant and all this stuff. And, and then, then you've got to jump through all these hoops to get out. It's, the church becomes like a gang. <laughs> We jump you in, and then we got to jump you out. If you want out, you got to go talk to the deacon, the elder, the pastor, the church mothers. You got to write, you got to stand before the church and read your resignation letter. All of that nonsense. No, we don't do none of that stuff. Listen, if the Lord moves you on, we don't want you here another minute past the the, the minute that the Lord has you here. Do, do you hear me? And that goes for me too. This is real. Y'all got to get this in your spirit. Because, I, you know, this is what the Lord dealt with me about in Emeryville. When the Lord started speaking to us about going to El Cerrito, I said, no! I'm called to Emeryville! Nothing's moving me from my place! And the Lord spoke to me and he said, did you ever have a passion for Emeryville? Nope. Did you ever ask me to send you to Emeryville? Nope. Why did you go to Emeryville? Because you told me to go. So why don't you maintain the practice of going where I tell you to go? And then I realized that I'm not married to Emeryville. I'm married to the Lord. And that's what freed my heart to say, God, you say El Cerrito, that's where we're going. The only thing I need to know is where you're leading me. Where you lead me, I will follow. I will trust fall into the next direction. You see, that was Abraham. Trust fall. Leave your father's house. Get up out of your father's house. Go to the place where I will show you. And I will bless you and make you a blessing. And I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless those who bless you. And, I'll, and listen, he said, God says, if you trust, trust falling is obedience. But it's obedience and everything that comes with it. Because obedience to God always, always, always entails. Yeah accountability in a community. And when he moves me, the one thing I do not agree with is I've had people over the years come to me and say, God is calling me out of the church, but he's not calling me into another church. He's calling me to go sit in a room by myself because he just wants him and me. Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. He has not called you to be a church unto yourself. He moves you from community to community, yeah. from body to body. Yeah. 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 He does not call the one to wander from the 99. Yeah. It's never, yeah, yeah, never yeah, his yeah, calling. Yeah, yeah. The first thing Jesus did when he began his ministry was create a community. Yeah. A community of folks who didn't like each other. Yeah. But he said, you know why you're together? Because you all decided to follow me. And so you're going to trust fall into each other's arms. Because you've trust fallen into my arms. And that, my friends, is the definition of love. John 13, 35. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. Trust fall into one another's arms. As I have loved you, as I have trust fallen into your arms. By this, all men 
will know that you are my disciples, that you trust fall into one another's arms. Bow your heads and let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the hearts of your people, which are so precious. Lord, some of our hearts are so delicate and sensitive. And Lord, I pray a special covering of comfort and protection over the sensitive hearted among us, of which I include myself. I come across as being so thick-skinned, but I'm actually so sensitive. (laughs) And the thick-skinned demeanor by which I present myself sometimes is a a protection mechanism. But Lord, I just want to let that shield down today and be vulnerable along with your people. Mm. We've all been hurt. We've all been mishandled. Some of you here are like Mephibosheth. When he was a baby, the babysitter was running away and accidentally dropped him. And he became lame because he was dropped. Some of you here were legitimately dropped by folks who should have been legitimately protecting you. And you were legitimately hurt. And the word of the Lord to you is not get over it. The word of the Lord to you today is a promise. The righteous may fall seven times, but they rise again. And this is the key, the miracles of Jesus. No one was ever a passive recipient of a miracle of Jesus. The miracles of Jesus always required a response of faith. When he comes into the pools of Bethesda and he takes the lame man and says, stand up, roll up your mat, and walk. Do you know how cruel it is to tell a lame person to stand up, to roll up their mat, and walk? But once the man responded in faith, the miracle transpired. All this talk about community and covenant and commitment and connection, it feels impossible to some of you because you're like that lame man. The man responded to Jesus, I have no one. I've got no support. I've got no help. Nobody cares about me. Translation, I've trust fallen and there's been nobody there to catch me. But Jesus says to that man, but I'm here now. And I say to you, roll up your mat and walk. When that man got up and rolled up his mat, where's the first place he walked? Was to the temple. The first thing he did was go back to the community. Reintegrate himself in worship because this is the sign of freedom. Engagement in the community of worship. Father, I pray for every heart, for every soul, that you would put it within us to trust fall into the arms of our Savior and to hear him invite us by his word and his command to trust fall into one another's arms. I ask it in Jesus' name.